Welcome inside the Mississippi Salute Podcast. I am your host, Ray Coleman. I serve as the Director of Communications here at Mississippi Veterans Affairs. Um, as you know, we're here for Mississippi's veterans, our American heroes, and their families. If you want to find out more about our services, visit our website, www.msva.ms.gov. There, you will be able to find everything from our veterans' homes to our memorial cemeteries, uh, those state benefits that are available to Mississippi's veterans, our veteran service officers that are located all across the state, um, there to help you file a claim, to just find out more information that could be beneficial to you. All of that you can find on our website, msva.ms.gov. We'll get into our social media channels towards the end of the show. Um, just very excited today. Um, very rarely am I sitting in front of history. And that's what that's what I have for you today. Uh, very excited to have our, our next guest, who is none other um, than retired Major General Augustus Leon Collins. Um, if you don't know the name, you're about to find out a lot. Um, he is the first African-American to attain the rank of general in the history of the Mississippi National Guard. He's also the first African-American to serve as the adjutant general uh, for the National Guard here in Mississippi. He retired in 2016 after more than 35 years in our United States Armed Forces. Um, he has served on countless board of, of directors, including the Mississippi Workers' Compensation Commission. I mean, the one where I get to see him the most, Friends of Mississippi Veterans, uh, where he's currently serving right now. Uh, Major General Collins received a bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of Mississippi, an MBA from Jackson State University, and a master's degree in strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. That's the condensed version because we're going to get into a lot of conversation right now. Uh, but we just want to welcome Major General Augustus Leon Collins. Sir, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you, Ray, for having me today. What's it like for a retired major general day to day? You've had all of these responsibilities uh, for as long as you probably can remember. What's it like for you on a day to day? Do you have the freedom to just get up, drink a cup of coffee now and say, I'm just going to hang out to 10 o'clock? What's it like for you on a day to day? Well, Ray, unfortunately, I don't have those <laughs> types of liberties because uh, actually when I retired from the military, I, I went to, to work with another organization. It's called Act Incorporated. Yes, sir. Uh, located here in Jackson. It's a job training and development company that uh, we contract with the United States Department of Labor to operate job corps centers around the country. And we currently have centers in six different states, and, uh, which are Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, Maryland, Minnesota, and California. Yeah. And we train young men and women between the ages of 16 to 24, uh, many of which have, are high school dropouts. We have programs where they can attain their high school diploma. And as well, we teach them trades, uh, trades to where when they complete their training, they'll be able to go out and find meaningful employment. You know, things like carpentry, plumbing, electrician, welding, nurse assistants, culinary arts, a number of different types of trades that we, we teach at each of our centers. And what we strive to do is give these young men and women an opportunity to go and, and have a good life, you know, where they can, you know, raise a family and uh, to where, you know, get them, get them set on the right track to where they don't become a victim of, of society. General Collins currently serves as the CEO of Mineac Incorporated. Is that correct? That's true. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, your early life, what was that like for you? Kind of give the, the listeners an idea of where you grew up, where you're from, what was your day-to-day -day life like um, as, as young, 
young Augustus Leon Collins? Well, I, I grew up in Boonville, and, and Boonville is a place that I, I claim is my hometown, Boonville, Mississippi. Yeah, North okay. Mississippi, North, absolutely. That's right, Northeast Mississippi. I graduated from Boonville High School, uh, attended Northeast Community College okay. uh, while I was there, which is also there in Boonville. But uh, my parents, my mother was a school teacher. Uh, she taught uh, she taught uh, English, she taught general business, she taught typing. Uh, my father, my stepfather, Leroy Williams, uh, was a uh, was a factory worker, uh, but we also farmed on the side. We we had herds heads of cattle and uh, and pigs, and we we farmed soybeans. Uh, so we were it was always something to do. If you ever if you ever grew up on a farm, there's <laughs> never a time when you say, "Well, I don't have anything to do." There's yes, always sir. something to do. Uh, so uh, I, living and uh, growing up in Boone and growing up on a farm, I think gave me a sense of 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 the appreciation for honest day's work. Uh, my father was one of the hardest working men I've ever known. Uh, and uh, like I said, he always had something for me to do uh, when, I, when I thought I had some free time. <laughs> when you did have free time, what, what were your hobbies? Were you, were you in the sports? Were you in the music? Talk, talk me through that. Well, yeah. Well, in, in high school, I, I played football and I ran track okay. for, for the high school uh, 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 athletic programs. Uh, uh, I, w- I was part of the Future Business Leaders of America, president of our high school Very class nice. uh, and uh, vice president of the Latin Club. And I don't know a single word of Latin <laughs> these days, uh, but I used to, but I can't remember any of it. You now. use it or you lose it, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in, in free time, when we did have some free time uh, on our place, we had a couple of lakes. So I used to like to go fishing. So I did that when I had the opportunity. Uh, and then, and obviously, you got your friends that you hang out with uh, occasionally. And uh, there was always an opportunity back then. You don't see it much these days, but uh, you know, pick up basketball games at somebody's house or maybe at the park or, or pick up baseball games. You know, so we always, you know, it was, it was a kind of a common, you know, childhood. You graduated from high school. At what point... Did the idea of serving in, in the United States Armed Forces come into your mind? Was it was it during your high school years? Is it right after graduation? What was that like for you? Well, I, I didn't even consider it when I was in high school. Uh, and, and matter of fact, it wasn't until I was a student at uh, Northeast uh, Junior College. Okay. Uh, my my part time job uh, during that period of time was I was a high school school bus driver. Okay. Uh, so I had a school bus route that I ran every day, and uh, one day as I was a uh, I pulled up at the middle school, uh, waiting for school uh, bell to ring for school to be out for my pick up my first group. Uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Charles Gullett, uh, who had been one of our assistant football coaches when I was in high school, came out and we was talking, and uh, he he started mentioning something about the National Guard, which I didn't really have any kind of history about the National Guard, mm-hmm. and just so happens they have they were going to have drill that coming weekend. And uh, he invited me and, and a couple of other young men who were, who were also bus drivers to come by and just take a look and see if we might, you know, might like it. I went by that weekend and uh, spent time with them. And, uh, you know, I saw something there that I, I thought, you know, might be kind of interesting. And uh, I eventually ended up joining just because of a, a, a passing conversation with somebody. Hmm. And so you join um the early years, because I think so often we see you, whether whether uh, we know the name and we know the history behind your name and your accomplishments, but we don't know the beginnings 
of what led you to that point. Um, what was it like for you early on in the service? Obviously, you didn't come in as a general. You came in at the lowest on the totem pole. What was that journey like for I became, you? I came into the service as a private E-1. That, that is as low as we can go. <laughs> a private E-1. And uh, uh, went to Fort Knox, Kentucky uh, for my basic training and uh, my advanced individual training. That was in the uh, summer of 1977. Uh, it was tough. Uh uh, I, I, I joke when I tell folks and they ask about the drill sergeants, I say, well, our drill sergeants were all Vietnam veterans with bad attitudes. Uh, but they they were great instructors. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the things that I learned in basic training and in, and in advanced individual training, I never forgot throughout my entire military career. Wow. Uh, because they did such a great job of drilling it into you. Uh, because they, they knew, because I, they had been Vietnam veterans, they knew that, you know, if you don't get this, that there may come a day when you really need it. So they took their jobs pretty serious. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah, as, as a private, uh, and, and, and then worked my way up through uh, the, the lower ranks up to, to E-4. Uh, and, and that was when uh, I had a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Master Sergeant Hardy Prentice uh, evidently took a, an interest in me. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, we were at uh, drill one, one Sunday. And uh, it was about over uh, Sunday evening. Actually, we were cleaning up the, uh, the armory, uh, getting ready to, to leave. Mm -hmm. And he walks up to me and uh, he pokes me in, in the chest with his finger. And he says, now look. They're going to be giving a test here Tuesday, and you need to be here. And I didn't really know what test he was talking about. But uh, at the time, I was working a job with, with the Halls Printing Company, and I was working the, the, uh, the night shift. Mm -hmm. I figured, well, I can be there you know, Tuesday to take whatever test this is that he said I need to take. <laughs> and it turns out it was the entrance exam for officer candidate school. Yes, sir. Uh, so I, I took the test, passed it, and just a few months later I found myself at OCS uh, you know, running and being yelled at all over again, just like I was in basic training again. Starting all over. <laughs> I love it. Um, a couple of things that I've noticed. You remember the names spot on of these men that, that really set you on a path uh, from, from joining the military to sending you to OTS, essentially. Um, I would imagine throughout your journey, not only men and women that you remember that helped inspire you, but also young men and women that you have helped inspire, that maybe you have helped change their trajectory. Why is that so important, not just in military, but everyday life, to have those mentors, those 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 men and women who have kind of set you on that path that could truly change your life? Well, it, it's so important because, uh, you know, you, you are influenced by other people. Everybody is, you know, regardless of what they might say. You know, now, sometimes those influences are good. Sometimes they're bad. And we see that every day on the street. You know, we see young men and women get themselves in a lot of trouble because they're influenced by the wrong people. Uh, I had some people in my life who made a positive input, impact on my life. Uh, Master Sergeant Prentice was one, for the, for, for instance. Uh, I, I'll never forget, uh, he was the one, you know, the day when it, it came time for me to leave to go to basic training, I had to go by the armory and pick up uh, uh, pick up my orders, actually, to, and, and, and plane ticket to go to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Okay. And uh, there was several documents that I had to sign while I was there, and we finished all the paperwork, and he put it in one of those big, brown military envelopes, you know, <laughs> and, and slid it across the desk to me. Well, then, the, then he got up 
from behind his desk and walked around to where I was, and I stood up. So I figured, well, he's you know, going to shake my hand and tell me good luck and all this kind of stuff. But instead, what he did was he just looked at me and says, now, look, you go and you make us proud. And then he turned around, went back and sat down at his desk. And that was it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had no idea what I was about to get myself into at Fort Knox, Kentucky at mm-hmm. basic training. But uh, but I, one thing I did know is I, I didn't want to do anything that wasn't going to make Master Sergeant Prentice and my family and the community back in Boone were not proud yes, of what sir. I did. Yes, sir. Uh, so, just you know, just little things like that uh, can, can, can change the whole trajectory of someone's life. Uh, and it, it's... I, I say it's encouragement. I don't know what. I don't know if it was encouragement. It was a threat that uh, that Sergeant Prentice was making. Heavy. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Leadership. Um, I would imagine that whether you realized it or not, you had the leadership trait, the leadership gene, long before you went to OCS, right? Um, but the idea of leading other men and women, whether it be into battle or just training them on, on a day to day basis. Did you embrace that role? Was it something that you had to work yourself into? What was that like for you? Well, you know, it, it was something that I didn't readily recognize. You know, evidently other people saw it before I saw it. Uh, like Master Sergeant Prentice, you know, uh, you know, when he, when he told me I needed to take the OCS test, you know, well, I, I wasn't given a second thought about taking an OCS test, but but evidently he saw something that he thought you know might might work out. Uh, but that that has happened to me a couple of times throughout throughout my career, uh, where people had had, uh, had taken a chance on me, you know, selected me for a certain position or second for a certain task, uh, because they felt like it, it was something I could do. And you know, and and as I matured uh, in the military, I started seeing the same thing with other young men and women. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and I would, I would go out of my way to try to give them the same type of opportunities that have been given to me, uh, throughout, throughout my career. Major General Collins served in the United States Army National Guard for more than 35 years. We talked about that, held numerous command and staff positions. Uh, but I want to talk about this one because if anybody who knows Mississippi National Guard or Mississippi military, the 155th Brigade Combat Team, um, he was the command of the National Guard's 155th, which was deployed to Iraq, responsible for security operations in southern and the western provinces. Um, you were there at a real time. Everybody was, obviously, but you were there at a real time. Um, what things do you remember that you are willing to share with us? Um, memories, both good and bad. What, what are some of those things that stand out in your mind when I when I recount the 155th for you? Well, Ray, you're, you're 100 percent Correct. We we deployed to Iraq in January of '05, and 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 I was in the last uh, chalk that came out in January of '06. We were there at a bad time, and we were there in a bad place. Yes, sir. Uh, my brigade headquarters was located in a place that uh, most folks refer to as the Triangle of Death, uh, <laughs> just south of Baghdad, um, Iskandaria, uh, and and. It was, it, it, it was a place where things were happening every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, lives were at stake uh, every single day. Uh, I had the good fortune of serving with some of the finest men and women you're going to find anywhere on the face of this earth. Uh, men and women who took their job seriously. Men and women who uh, were willing to lay down 
the most precious thing that they had in order to make sure that their, their, their country, their family, their friends, the way of life we have in this country was protected. And uh, when you serve with folks like that, you know, it, 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 it makes it easier to lead them. Because, you know, they're, they're going to listen to what you got to say. And, and, and when you spell it out and tell them, you know, you know what, what the plan is, they're going to follow it. Because they understand that uh, the plan has been thought through, it's been vetted, and this is the way we need to go. And you don't have to worry about having to give an order twice. Uh, so uh, the, the, the time that we spent uh, in Iraq, uh, and, and we lost, you know, some of our friends while we were over there, uh, and never, n- never forget them. Uh, never forget them uh, because they were true heroes, and like I say, they sacrificed the most valuable thing that they had on, you know, which was their, which was their life. Yes, sir. Uh, but uh, you know, on a daily day basis, there was always uh, something going on in our area of operation. Now, I will say that year we were there, we made a tremendous difference uh, in the country of Iraq. We were responsible for either. All are parts of four different uh, provinces. There's 18 provinces in the, in the country of Iraq. But we had Najaf, we had Karbala, we had Southern, ba- we had Babel, and then we had the eastern portion of Al Anbar. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, we, 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 we did a lot of projects for the citizens of Iraq, a lot of building projects, uh, clean water, food. Uh, we, we helped them uh, get their crops uh, planted. We helped them with their livestock because uh, a number of the, uh, the soldiers that, that were in my formation uh, were, were experts at that. They were farmers from Mississippi. You know, uh, some of them I had, had a couple that were even uh, Votech uh, uh, instructors in schools. So they do nice. all the agricultural For stuff. Sure. So we, you know, we put all of that expertise to, to good, good work while we were over there. When you hear myself or, or anyone, when they introduce you at, at different you know ceremonies, speaking engagements, what have you, when you hear someone say the first African-American to be uh, ranked general in Mississippi, the first African-American adjutant general, um, what is what feelings do you get? Is it, is it something where you're like somebody had to be the first or, or is it or is it a space of of you maybe cringe a little bit. I mean, all of these are natural reactions, but for you, what is that feeling when you hear someone say the first African-American adjutant general? Well, like I said, it, it wasn't part of my plan. It was part of God's plan. You know, you know why he chose me, I don't know, but he did. Uh, and, you know, the, the other part I want to say about that is, you know, when people, when people say that, they, they expect something of you. The, the, the truth of the whole matter is, there's nothing special about Leon Collins. Uh, I'm just no country boy from Boonville, Mississippi. Uh, just happened to have been, you know, extremely blessed, uh, and uh, was given some some abilities. I, I would imagine that uh, that uh, you know I, I was able to put to good use, uh, and and I just happened to get noticed by some folks uh, along the way. But uh, you know, when when I hear that, you know, it. Uh, Maybe it doesn't impress me, I guess, as much as it might impress other folks because I know who I am. Yes, sir. Like I say, I'm, I'm just a, a common person that, uh, that that was given some opportunities that, uh, you know, if, if there's anything I can do, I'd like to give some of those same opportunities to others. Yeah. I'm going to ask this question. I mean, you, you've pretty much answered it um, just in the in the way that you responded to the previous question. Pressure. Um, 
pressure comes along with leadership positions anyway. But being the first, did you feel any added pressure? I, I, I go back to your, your answer on your time in Iraq with the 155th. You didn't really focus so much on the action. You focused more on the people who were with you. Um, to me, that's a quality of, of leadership, understanding that folks' lives are on the line every day, and that was your first priority. Um, I'm not a veteran or, or active duty or never have served our country, but to hear you say that, that kind of struck me as, oh, wow, before he even gets into the quote-unquote X's and O's of, of military operations, you care about the people first. Did you feel any pressure along your journey, whether it be lieutenant, captain, you name it, all the way up to uh, major general, did you feel any pressure to perform at a higher level because you are the first African-American general? Well, well, and, and, and yes, you know, uh, uh, I'll have to have to admit that because, because uh, you know, uh, that I, I am an African-American and uh, I always felt like I had to be on top of my game uh, uh, and, 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 and not only do my best, but my best, you know, needed to be in the upper tier. Uh, the only time that I really felt uh, some, some real pressure was when I first took command of the 155th, uh, because when I took command, the brigade had already mobilized, mm. and I was trying to catch up because I was I was a, a late addition because the the previous commander uh, had a medical condition, and when he got to the mobilization station, he was declared uh, non-deployable. Okay. So now you got a brigade that's already, you know. Uh, in the middle of a mobilization uh, without a commander. And then I was selected to be the commander. So when I got to Camp Shelby, some of the soldiers had already been there for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, trying to get up to speed, catch up to what's going on, but then at the same time trying to get myself prepared to be gone for a year. And uh, and, and I've told this story uh, a couple of times. You know, the, the thing that, that changed all of that was – I got an email from my youngest son, uh, who was who was uh, seventh grade, I guess at the time, and uh, and this, you know, at the time he was not someone who would send me emails, but he sent me one, and he forwarded from somewhere else, and it had a saying. Uh, it says, "If God brings you to it, He'll bring you through it." And uh, Amen. when I got that email, it changed my whole outlook on what was going on. Uh, it calmed me. Uh, at that point, I didn't. I, my worries kind of went away uh, because now it was like, okay, you've been training for this your entire life. Uh, you've had the requisite positions at the lower ranks to, to bring you up to this. You've been to all the proper schools. You know, now just put everything to, to use that you've been trained to do, and, and everything will be fine. And at that point, you know, it got. It never got easy. But it got easier. Uh, so, and, and again, like I said, I had good staff. You know, I, I, I depended on them. I put, uh, you know, responsibilities on them to, to come through, and they did. Full transparency. I was a bit intimidated to do this interview this morning, right? I've met you several times, had plenty of conversations with you. I know you to be an approachable person, um, but it's different when the light is on. I guess I guess we'll say that. I can only imagine what it's like for a young soldier to see you walk into a room and to say, oh, my goodness, I got to have a conversation. I got to be buttoned up. Um, I need to listen. I need to take notes, all these different things. Um, But you really do come off as a person who can be very warm and approachable. 
is that something you make it a point to be in, in, in terms of your leadership style? I mean, here you are, you're running the Mississippi army and air national guard. Um, I don't even know how many hundreds of people or thousands of people that is in that group, but everyone obviously wants to learn something from you. They have to hear from you at some point. Um, what is your leadership style in terms of making sure people know that they can approach the adjutant general of the national guard? Well, it, it's important to me to know what you think. Uh, so, you know, I, I have to be uh, approachable to where I can get someone's honest opinion. You know, uh, there are a lot of different types of leadership, uh, leadership styles. Uh, mine is I like to go to where the soldiers are, that where the airmen are, and, 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 and sit down and shake their hand and talk to them, ask them about their family, you know, and ask them how long you've been in the service. You know, what, you know, what, what are your aspirations? What, what do you think you want to be? And, you, know, uh, you know, how's the training going? And, you know, just common questions where you can get them to open up where they can talk to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember back to when we first mobilized, I, I remember we had to go out to the desert in California to do some training. And the senior trainers out there were saying, well, you, you're so laid back. You're so laid. They, they, they were concerned about that. I said, well, <laughs> it's just, just how I am, you know. Uh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> they thought this group was in trouble. Okay, yeah. I got you. We'll be, we'll be all right. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I won't say that I've never raised my voice because I have. You know, there there are times when you know it's hard to control it. But uh, uh, having a conversation with someone and and making sure that you first that you understand them and then that they understand you is the best way of being a good leader that I've seen. Yes, sir. Uh, so uh, I don't have a problem talking with another general. I don't have a problem talking with a private uh, uh, because and I, and I you know and I think. The fact that I was a private at one point helps me. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I, I personally think the fact that you started off as a private, these these women and men know that, hey, he knows exactly what I'm going through. Maybe not to the exact T, but he has been along that same road. So there's some there's some validity there, yeah, right? Right, yeah. For sure. Yeah, when you can when you can look at a, at a young soldier and say, you know, hey, I, I know your job, you know, because I've done it. So, yeah. so, so don't, yes, sir. don't try to pull the wool over my eyes. When you were when you were actively serving, um, I worked in television at the time, and I saw you in different places. Um, in, in my role now here in state government, I have seen you at, at our cemeteries where you make it a point to go and lay a wreath or, or place an American flag, say that soldier's name, um, and thank them for their service. I've seen you do it with, with living veterans where you make it a point to go out of your way. Long after ceremonies are done, you're still there talking to men and women who have served our, our great nation. Um, I know the tagline answer, but for you personally, sir, why, why is that so important that you do stick around and, and say those thank yous? Well, you, you can't say thank you enough to uh, the men and women who won uniforms of our services. Uh, it's because of them uh, that, that, that we have an opportunity to live in this great society that we're in. Now, our, we, we have problems. Sure. We, we, everybody has. Sure. Every society has problems. But you go around the globe. And you won't find a country that has a better opportunity for our young men and women than what you'll find here in the United States. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the place where we live and work and play is so much different. And, 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 and fortunate for me, because I've been in the military, I've traveled to a number of uh, other countries. Mm. 
but I'm always glad to get back home uh, because uh, because none of them stack up to, to the United States. And that's because of uh, the brave men and women we have in our military services. And uh, like I say, you can't thank them enough for, for what they've done, as well as their family who's given sacrifices when, you know, when they're deployed downrange. You could have easily walked away after your military service. But like I said, here you are now today serving on the board of Friends of Mississippi Veterans. You still find a way. You're going to always find a way, I would imagine, to have an impact um, in the military community, in this case, the veteran community. Um, why? Why do you want to continue to serve? Well, it's it's part of it's part of my DNA, I guess. You know that there's a uh, in in the, in the army that there's a so saying that says you're a soldier for life, uh, and and I I believe that's what I'll be. I don't think I'll ever stop being a soldier. I might not wear the uniform anymore, but I'll I'll always be a soldier. And all of those men and women, you know, regardless of whether they're Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, doesn't matter. They're all my my brothers and sisters in arms. And uh, if I can do something for them, uh, uh, I'm happy to do it. You know, it, it it breaks my heart. You know, it, you know days when I pull up to a traffic traffic light and I look over to the side and there's uh, someone standing over there with a piece of cardboard, so mm. a, you know, homeless veteran. Uh, you know, so many of of our of our veterans uh, need help. Uh, you know, they've they've you know they're, they're falling down on their luck. Uh, when, you know, some of them have what you know what we call those invisible scars that uh, that they're dealing with, and uh, anything that we can do to help them, we need to go out our way. My last question for you, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Um, what is the greatest compliment to you um, from your service? And, and you don't come off as a man that's big on compliments, first and foremost. But I only ask because I hear stories from our director, Mark Smith, who says you helped change his life. I imagine you get those stories all the time. Um, when you hear those stories, what is it like for you to hear your men that are now leading state agencies or leading platoons and, and, and commanding um what is that like for you to know that you have helped make an impact on their lives? Well, it, it, it gives me some gratitude and, 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 uh, you know, uh, men and women who, who, uh, served under me at, at, at different stages, you know, have told me that, well, you, you did this for me, you did that for me and thank you for that. And it, 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 it's a, it gives you a good feeling, but, but I think at, at the end of the day, <clears throat> when, when everything is said and done, and uh, and they're laying me to rest. Uh, if someone would just say he was a good soldier, hmm. that's all I want to hear. You'll get it. I guarantee you you'll get it. He is Major General Augustus Leon Collins, the former Adjutant General of our Mississippi National Guard, 35 years and a little bit more um, serving this great nation. And like you heard him say, he's going to continue to do it. Uh, sir, I thank you for your time. I thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Um, and it is a great one. So we thank you for joining here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Thank you, Ray, for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more time for you all. Um, if you need to be connected with any services that we have, we talked about our website, msva.ms.gov. Uh, go to check us out there. You can also find us on social media, um, Mississippi, excuse me, MS, MS Veterans Affairs with an S on the end on Facebook. That's how you can find us. We are constantly updating information there. On Twitter, it is MSVet. Affairs, and then also on Instagram, Mississippi, MS. 
Veterans Affairs. You can find us there. Always updating information. This podcast episode, along with all the others, we promote there as well. Um, And so we hope that you can find information that is beneficial to you, um, benefits and services that you are entitled to for serving our great nation. You deserve it. So we want to make sure we provide you with it. Once again, I am Ray Coleman, uh, Director of Communications here at Mississippi Veterans Affairs. I've been hanging out with Major General Leon Collins. This has been the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.